Welcome um, to Holy Trinity. As Richard said, I'm Patrick, the vicar here. Have we got any visitors this morning in church? We've got a visitor here. We've got some visiting from South Africa as well. That's quite a long way to come to church. At the back as well, you're visiting. Where, where from? Peckham. Wow, from Peckham. The life of Peckham. Coming to Claygate. Are we ready for you? I think so. Are you ready for us? Maybe not. Anyone else? Yes. Cornwall. Well, welcome from Cornwall. Um, it's not quite Pentecost. Um, uh, they gathered people from all the ends of the world. Do you speak a different language in Cornwall? You do. They do. I won't, I won't sort of test you on that, I don't think. Um, but maybe, um, given it's Pentecost, someone might be able to sort of translate it into the right language for you to understand. So you can speak to Julian if you haven't got a clue about what I'm saying this morning. Um, one of the um, questions that I have uh, about Pentecost is, do we actually need it? So I asked the prayer team this morning if we needed Pentecost. What if we airbrushed Pentecost out of the Christian calendar? What sort of church might we be left with? I'll leave you to ponder that for a few moments. So if we didn't do Pentecost, what would we be left with? I spent um, 25 years of my life probably trying to airbrush out Pentecost. Actually, I probably added to that list, I didn't want to look too closely at the cross or the resurrection either. There's bits of the Bible um, that for some of us that are not particularly interested in finding faith, that we might just want to airbrush out. Maybe Pentecost has been one of those. I don't know who here, we had a confirmation service here on Tuesday. Was anyone here privileged to be there? Well, there was a few testimonies, wasn't there? There was one person with a testimony, um, lots of good testimonies. But there was a lady who'd gone into a bookshop looking for a book, I think it was on Eastern mysticism, and noticed this other book in the bookshop that was uh, bound with cardboard. And couldn't get into it. But kept on feeling prompted to get this uh, book bound with cardboard that she couldn't get into. It was the Bible. Eventually, before leaving the place, she bought the book that was bound with cardboard. And managed at some point, obviously under the prompting of the Spirit, to rip the cardboard off and actually to read it and inwardly digest it. And she was there because she'd um, read, uh, read God's Word, his written word, and encountered uh, the Lord Jesus, God's living word. And she was there um, being um, anointed and prayed for at her confirmation. Today, we haven't had a Bible reading before the sermon because, as part of my talk, I'm going to be quoting loads from the Bible. It's not that it's not worth repeating. Um, But if I'm going to do the whole passage anyway, Acts 1 and 2, little bits from Acts 1 and a big chunk from Acts 2, I'd like God's uh, written word uh, to impact you. So this morning you might discover his living word and his life-giving spirit maybe in a fresh way. Um, So, 
question. What caused a, a fearful bunch of unschooled, unschooled disciples um, to break out from, from their room and to wholeheartedly and enthusiastically communicate the gospel uh, with the wider world? Well, the, the short answer is the Holy Spirit. And we can't do church or faith or be effective followers of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And his sometimes, and maybe we dial this down, but his explosive and transformative power. See, it's not simply a historical event that we read about. God's Holy Spirit is here and very present with us now. Pentecost is a day where we're invited afresh to focus on these readings and open ourselves to all that God wants to give us. I've got lots of stories of witnessing that activity in others, but I stand here today because God the Holy Spirit has done a number on me. Why on earth would I give up a good job in the city to do this sort of thing? Something that I was running away from for years and years and years. So if you've got your Bibles, and there are some under most of the seats, I think it'd just be great if um, it won't be on the screen. The only way that you can check whether I'm reading it correctly is if you turn to page 1092. And um, I encourage you to do that. And we're simply going to go on a journey through Acts 1 and 2. And I will uh, share a few thoughts about it as we go. So Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus, after his sufferings, he presented himself uh, to his disciples and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Had you lost your leader... Had he appeared to you in quite an extraordinary way, then you might well be hanging on his every word. Verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were commanded to wait. If you're anything like me, that's not something that you're naturally given to, particularly within our immediate culture. They were promised, if they waited, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be baptized by the Holy Spirit In the book of Acts, it gives evidence that Jesus' baptism is distinctively different from the baptism that John the Baptist offered. Both speak and invite repentance and faith, but Jesus baptized and empowered his followers for ministry by and in the power of the Holy Spirit. He offers this same baptism of the Holy Spirit, to all who believe and trust in him. 
Jesus will leave his disciples to continue the work. He needs to go up to be with the Father. But as he goes, he's saying it's over to you. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. The empowering the Holy Spirit promised is for all believers. And it comes to us, he comes to us in a deeply personal way. But God the Holy Spirit's not to be experienced in isolation. He's to be experienced in the community of the church and manifest in our daily lives as we serve the common good. Verse 8 of chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you look forward in the book of Acts, you'll notice that in chapters 2 to 7, that's the ministry of um, the church in Jerusalem. And it spreads out in verses 8 to 12 to Judea and Samaria. And Acts 13 to 28, it goes to the ends of the earth, beginning with Cyprus. And the story doesn't end there. It runs throughout all the ages and has arrived in Claygate through us and not meant to stop here. It's the story of the church's mission. It continues God's loving action, not an oppressive takeover. The spread of God's kingdom is manifest in love. The power of the Holy Spirit has the same root as the word dynamite, power, but we choose sometimes to dial him down. Baptism in the Holy Spirit should have an energizing and transformative impact on all who receive. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. Today, we're invited to ask for more of his loving and life-giving presence among us. Just as we have the capacity to be loved and to love and that can grow so too we have the capacity to be filled with God's loving and holy, life-giving spirit. In morning prayer this week, uh, we had the readings from Luke 11. Many of you will be familiar with them. Luke 11, teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And at the end of that section, uh, there's there's a section that encourages us to ask for the Holy Spirit. It it reads, ask and it will be given to you. Seek And you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. That pictures us doing stuff. I think Jesus has already done a lot of seeking and a lot of knocking. The key thing is that we open the door to all that God has. First Luke 11, 13. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. In the Gospels, we witness the life, the death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the book of Acts, they're just about to witness the ascension. And as promised, as Jesus goes, he's not going to leave us as orphans, but it's going to send his holy and life-giving spirit. Acts 
after the ascension, they joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all the brothers, all together in prayer, about 120 of them, persistent in prayer, eager to do what Jesus told them to do, expecting that God, they, mustn't have, they couldn't have possibly known what was going to happen, but they, they've just seen a resurrection. They're going to expect something rather wondrous if Jesus is telling them this is going to happen. And it's as we pray, listening and speaking, that we become most aware of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is where we enjoy deep communion with God based on what we read in the scriptures, we too are invited to wait. We wait expectantly in prayer for God to fill us again and again with his power and his love in his service. Page 1093 of the Bibles, um, Acts 2 The followers of Jesus are gathered in one place. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There is power in unity. There is even more power in unity and prayer. Suddenly, verse 2, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each and every one of them. I wish I had the gift to be able to see that physical, spiritual activity in each and every one of you. But know this, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit is already at work in you. And it's our job to invite him to do more of his activity. In Acts, it came like the sound of the wind, the breath of God breathing into those who trusted in Jesus. It came in fire, which brings purity and holiness and power for service. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were all together. They were united in prayer. They were persistent in prayer and they were all filled with his spirit. It gave them a new understanding of who God was, a new boldness and zeal to share their faith and to serve him. Verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Lebanon near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues." What's been described here is a reversal of the curse 
that happened at the Tower of Babel where um, human beings got so proud about themselves and their abilities, they almost assumed a sort of a God-like status and God confused their speech. Now there's a reversal which allows them to understand in their own language the wonders of God. The spread of God's word through them became contagious, empowering them for mission to transform both people and cultures. Verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and they said, they've had too much wine. There's a mixed reaction when the gospel is presented. There seems to be a very mixed reaction on the day of Pentecost. It's probably no different from us. It drew scorn and opposition. As they got bolder in the power of the Spirit to communicate the gospel, it put some of the messengers in serious harm's way. But they needed and they desired the power of God, power from above in order to fulfill the, God, the things that God had called them to do. Then Peter preaches his first sermon. If you're following, it's Acts 1.14. This is what I describe as the first sermon at the birth of the church. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Though this is is what was prophesied, this is what was spoken of by Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will all prophesy. Verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This prophetic revelation came through ordinary people. It brought challenge. The Holy Spirit gave the power and the grace to overcome differences. It was for all generations of all people, all time, all languages. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter's found a new courage to preach the word in a fearless way. He preaches all about Jesus. Verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him and you yourselves know. And this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you... With the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. I just wonder how that might have felt to have that said to you. 
uh, in the crowd. I'm sure I, was pro- I might have been numbered with the scoffers, actually. Verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God raised this Jesus to life and we are witnesses, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both God and Messiah. The people were cut to the heart. What shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Re-echoing verse 21. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Baptism in the Holy Spirit takes us from a position of fear to experiencing new boldness to own and share our faith. The Holy Spirit empowers us to cooperate with God's mission here on earth. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts for service for the common good. We read elsewhere in the Bible that the Holy Spirit gives us a deep assurance that we are God's beloved children. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of sins. The Holy Spirit, God, brings confidence through faith. God, the Holy Spirit, brings a commission to each and every one of us for us to witness in word and action the reality of the living Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Almost tempted to sing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Four months ago, almost to the day, I think I was standing or kneeling here to be commissioned by the bishop to sort of serve. I suppose that one of the things they say is about the cure of souls, but it's to do um, mission and ministry with you. Alice and my wife at the same time, she's a head teacher at um, St. Mary's in Long Ditton. She was prayed for by her church and anointed um, with oil as well. That felt like a powerful thing. On, on Tuesday night, all our conversa- uh, com- confirmation candidates were invited to come forward and the bishop said, God calls you by name and um, confirm, O oh Lord, your servant. Just named their names with your Holy Spirit. It, it just seems to me that God hasn't intended... Um, this empowering with the Holy Spirit for vicars and teachers and confirmation candidates. He, he wants it for all of us. I suppose today is just an opportunity where we might open ourselves, we might wait on God for him 
to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit because we just can't do this Christian stuff without his help and his grace. And who knows, he might just give us a little bit more boldness. He might give us a little bit more fire. He might release amongst us more of his gifts that are there for the building up of the church and the building of his kingdom. Maybe, just maybe, with more of his spirit, and I need this so much that he might display in me, through his transformative work, more of the fruits of the Holy Spirit too. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. After Peter's sermon, people were cut to the heart. What shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. I think we just need to wait and open ourselves to God. We were with a friend last night who's been doing this Christian stuff for years and years and years, and within the charismatic movement. But he got to be a past master at keeping God at a little bit of a distance. He was describing, just in humility, God slightly got him by surprise, but he discovered the more of God and the more of God's grace that gave him a deep, deep assurance of God's love and maybe just greater freedom to be his child and his witness. Rest in the promises of God. God does what he says he will do. Be expectant and prayerful. God wants to do a new and renewing thing amongst us. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. If you know how to give good gifts to others, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All of us are invited For prayer, we'll do it as um, we do for Holy Communion. No one's pressured to come and pray. There'll be stations at the front, stations at the back. Uh, Folks will ask if there's anything particular, maybe a gift of grace that you'd like to ask from for God. This is for you today, for God to empower us so that we can go and do other stuff. And the prayer is, I anoint you with oil and in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask our Heavenly Father to fill you with his Holy Spirit, to strengthen you in body and soul, to love and serve the Lord. And we just anoint you with oil. And before that, we just sort of wait on God. But as you're waiting to be prayed for, use that opportunity. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Amen.